welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. My name's Jeremy. I'm your host, and today I'm accompanied by my co-host, CJ. CJ, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going, man. What a week. It has just been a crazy week full of crazy stuff, and I don't know what else to say. All kinds of crazy news coming out about the strange and the unknown. Put all that aside, we have a really awesome guest today who has some some really cool encounter stories with some cryptids to tell us about. She is the publisher of the Screaming Whispers Cryptid and Paranormal Studies Facebook page, where she takes a cryptid or a paranormal entity and shares information with you about them, whether it be by article, videos, pictures, or whatnot. And she has quite a big uh, community going already. The The page is fairly new, and for the growth that she has, it's definitely showing some legs. I'd like to introduce everybody to Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I'm super excited to hear about your encounters and some of the things that you're into. So while we're on that subject, let's start with what kind of got you into the world of the unknown? I have always had a fascination with the unknown. Um, I've always believed that things were out there. I grew up in a very open house, but my dad was more of a you got to see it to believe it kind of person. Mm -hmm. And we also grew up right by Gettysburg. So, I mean, put the pieces together. We were out there oh, quite man. often. We experienced a lot of things. So, <laughs> You got any stories about Gettysburg, too? Oh, my gosh, quite a few. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's get the uh, the encounters out of the way. Maybe we'll talk about that on the back end. If not, we'll have you back on for a uh, paranormal uh, episode, too. What would you say is your favorite cryptid? Oh, boy. Uh, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think I have a favorite cryptid. I think I have. Actually, that's a lie. I do have a favorite cryptid. It would be the Canadian form of Bigfoot, what is known as Sasquatch. Ah, yes. The big boy. <laughs> the giant version, not the one that you'd find here in the Appalachians, but the ones you'd find in the Rocky Mountains up, up there in British Columbia. That would be where, where the big ones are. The massive, yeah, the really massive big guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, they, they could be anybody's favorite just, just to think that something can get that big. Yeah, I've, I've read stories and, and heard articles about tree branches on new trees being twisted 12 to 14 feet high, which is insane. I just watched a video the other day on YouTube where this guy had a 70-pound limb tossed on him just like it was nothing. Is that the one at the construction site? Uh, I can't remember. I know he was filming a Sasquatch right in front of him and the limb came from right like diagonal from him and completely just took him out it was incredible did you share that video on your page i'll actually go back and i will share it okay so anybody listening if you want to see that video that amanda's referring to go on to her page screaming whispers on facebook cryptids and paranormal studies and as she said she'll she'll share it so you guys could take a look so, Amanda, I, I don't want to to stick around with all the small talk here too much. CJ, you got any questions for her before we get going? No, not not yet. Not yet. I'm just kind of interested in like uh, hearing about the actual experiences. That's what I'm here for, too. Amanda, you know, I am just itching. I, I, I want to ask you all these little questions and everything. But, man, I just really want to just know the stories. Where can you start off? I'm going to start off with the first one, the Swamp Ape. Cool. I guess I kind of need to like set the scene on how it all came together. I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I ended up going through some hard times. I got in a little bit of trouble. So by the time I was 20, 21 years old, I had gotten in so much trouble that I'd already spent a little bit of time in jail. And I decided it was time for me and my girlfriend to leave at that point. So we made our way to Florida. And we really didn't have anywhere to go. We didn't have no game plan. We didn't have anything planned out. And the first night we got down there, we made friends with a couple of the locals. And they gave us a tent. And we did what we could do. We made ourselves a home in the uh, woods for a year and a half in a tent. And we roughed it. 
Unfortunately, the police down there were not homeless friendly, so you couldn't stay in one spot for very long, which made it very difficult because you lost a lot of your personal belongings. You lost a lot in the moves between spot to spot and the police raids down there. So we made the conscious decision to move outside of Plant City limits. Plant City is where we ended up down in Florida. That's Polk County, isn't it? Plant City is Hillsborough County. Hillsborough? That's the same one that Tampa's in, right? Uh, yes. We decided that we were going to move outside of Plant City, get away from all the homeless people. So we decided to go out to the Cornet Mines. And the Cornet Mines are, it's this gigantic piece of property, to say the least. I don't think any kind of words could give this place justice. It, it was very vast. Um, there was swamps out there. There was quicksand out there, coyotes, hogs, snakes, gators, you name it, uh, swamp cabbages. It was huge. This, and the property, it was, it was like pastures and stuff like that. And it had swamp patches in it. And it would be, some of the swamps were like a mile long and then they would cut off. And then they would go to the next swamp. And then you would have, when you were walking through, you would have swampy areas, but it was still considered the pasture. Mm -hmm. Um, You had, after it rained down there, sometimes you had to be really careful because you would get sucked up in the mud. The mines down there were not traditional mines. It was a phosphorus mine. So what it was, it was this gigantic uh, sand pit and when you look in the sand pit it was just this black uh, just black hole nothing just blackness it ended up getting shut down it was private property as well we ended up staying about five months out there and this is where i did encounter the swamp ape uh, we lived we made ourselves a home about three quarters of a mile in some nights you could still hear the tractor trailers going down the highway beside it, but you couldn't hear local traffic or nothing like that. And that's only if the tractor trailers were using their brakes. We're in here about, I'd say, close to the two and a half mark, two and a half month mark. And it's 2013 in the middle of March. And it's nighttime. And it was me, my ex, and we got a campmate. We'll call him Bill. And my dog, we had a dog at the time. She was really, this dog, when we got her, she was an adult. So she was already trained. She was already, she she was a real good dog, to say the least. We'll put it that way. Um, She didn't really cause a commotion. She didn't really go out of the way to do anything. Kind of lazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm describing her for a reason because she plays a very big part in the story. Okay. Um, she would only alert you if there was an issue. Um, other than that, she minded her own business. But this particular night, it was quiet. The moon was almost full. Um, there really wasn't much of a breeze going on. There wasn't. It wasn't even enough of a breeze to to make the leaves rattle or anything like that. Kind of a still night. We were sitting there. We were telling old war stories, uh, catching up. And we decided around 1 a.m. that we wanted to go to bed. And the way our camp was situated, to the left of us, there was the swamp. And to the right of us, there was a small patch of trees, and then it was open plains area. And in front of us, it was plains, and then it wrapped into the, it wrapped into the swamp. So we had a good, good position where we were. Um, <clears throat> and our, t- our tents were about... 20 feet away from right where we where uh, right where the grassy part would have met right where the swamp was mm-hmm. and it went on a hill and then that's where it met the water the hill was probably about six foot like a, a gradual decline Billy had just put in put the the fire out and we were all going to lay down and we got in our tents and I'd say not even five minutes me laying in the tent, I heard something snap in the woods. 
but living out there, you kind of get used to the raccoons and whatever going through the swamps, and you really don't pay attention to the little noises. About 15 minutes later, my dog started to growl, and I was in between sleep, and I was, so I was like half asleep, half awake, and right when she growled, I shot straight up, right awake, and I knew that there was something in the woods. At first, I thought it was a Florida cat, and I got really nervous because I knew that my dog didn't stand a chance against that uh, that cat. And I was going to unzip my tent to kind of calm her down and bring her in the tent. And Bill stopped me. He said, wait. And then we hear like something walking through tree branches. We heard uh, tree branches start to snap. You couldn't tell then if it was bipedal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, don't move. He's like, do you have your pepper spray? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, there's something big out there. And he's whispering to me. And he's like, he's like, okay, I need you to be as calm as possible because I had an, I had an image back then of look at me, everything has to be over-exaggerated and this and that. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, typical young 22 year old girl. Right. Uh, so I, I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. The cougar's going to eat us. And he's like, I need you to just be calm, be quiet, get your pepper spray. I have the revolver and I'm going to get out and I'm going to take the flashlight and scan the wood line. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. So we both get out and I grab my flashlight. And right as the, he turned his on and he's scanning through the wood line, we hear this massive tree break. And it had to be a high break because the way it sounds out there, you can hear everything. It's so flat. Like you could hear a pin fall out in that swamp. (laughs) Yeah. And it was ear piercing. It was not a dead tree that snapped. You can tell the hollow sound when it's a dead tree and you can tell when it's a very live ear piercing split from a tree that wasn't supposed to break i threw my hands over my ears listening to this tree break and we started to smell something and it started like it smelled as if a skunk started to spray and that didn't make sense we 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 could not make sense of why it started to smell like this Mm-hmm. And he's bringing his flashlight across the, the swamp line. And about 20 yards out, there is a big pair of red eyes about eight to eight and a half feet off of the ground staring at us dead on. And then we saw the whole entirety of this big boy or big girl. <sighs> and it was not. And I, I say big boy or big girl because I wasn't looking for any gender type i was looking at this massive creature right in front of me standing on two legs and it screamed at us and then all of a sudden the smell was putrid it was awful i was trying to stuff my shirt in my mouth like and cover my nose i can still taste that smell that was how bad it was it was it was let me describe this. It was like skunk mixed with a foul fish mixed with dirty laundry and feet. That's what it smelled like. I know what a skunk smells like, and that was not a skunk. And it screamed at us. This scream, and the way that it did it, it was this really low, and it went really high, way outside of any human range. It would be impossible for a human being to hit this range. Yeah. When it screamed, it did this really big whoop at the end of the scream. And then it almost as if it echoed in the background. But the background sound made a chitter, almost speaking sound. There was two of them. There was one standing right in front of us, and the one was standing way back at the other end of the swamp. 
that it was let me describe this thing to you yeah please its eyes had to be the size of a half dollar they were big and red but i would say that they were red because of the reflection of the light its eyes were reflective you said it was a nighttime right it was okay okay we had the light right on him We're, we're looking dead at this big boy and we're frozen, it's frozen, it screamed at us, and and we had no idea, like, it, flight or flight did not kick in. When you're sitting there and you're looking at something that you're told does not exist, clearly this is not a human being that we are told is supposed to be a human being. Yeah. This thing is covered with fur. I wouldn't even say it was fur, it was like shag. It wasn't even very long either. It was dark brown, maybe a dark red, the way the light hit it. Its face, it didn't have much hair on its face. It had a mustache and it had like a beard and the beard came down all the way into neck hair, all the way down over its shoulders. Its shoulders were a good three to three and a half feet across. This sucker was muscular very defined uh its hands it it could have took my head and smashed it like it was a berry in its hands that's how big its hands were and i mean i don't have a big head but that's how big its hands were i couldn't see feet it was standing in probably about a foot foot and a half of water and it was holding on to the tree right beside it with one hand its forearms were massive massive i got a question for you have you ever seen the mayaka photos no what what do you have access to your messenger right now uh yeah actually i'm holding my cell phone i'm going to send you a picture this is this is the the most famous picture of a swamp ape said to be a swamp ape quote unquote cj i'll send you one too this is called the mayaka photo no i've I've seen that yeah once you get that if you get that let me know if that's anything close to what you saw. Oh, yes, I've seen these before. Yeah. I, I mean, if if you do any kind of research into Swamp Ape, this is the picture that you're going to see. It's called the Mayaka photo. So for anybody that's listening to right now, uh, if you just simply Google Mayaka photos, and that's M-Y-A-K-K-A, you'll see the picture of the Swamp Ape that I'm referring to. So, Amanda, does this look like what you saw? Almost. Very close. But the hump on the back, its head was not that far down into its chest. Like, he was standing straight up. Like, full attention, I'm looking at you. It did have a furrowed brow like that. It did not have that much hair on the face. The hair was shorter. It did have longer hair like this on its head that draped its shoulders. This is a very close picture, except the one I saw was a lot less hairy. Yeah, you can see on this picture that it's got a little bit of gray on its what looks like it, its beard. This may be an uh, if 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 this is a a swamp ape, this could be an older individual. The one that I saw had gray on top of its head. Okay. So it, that could be a distinguishing thing for it. As far yeah. as I can see, that he looks. This one looks young. <laughs> if i remember correctly this one was taken in sarasota county um which would have been right in your neck of the woods obviously it would have been a little bit farther than hillsborough it's probably not the same individual but uh talking about you know regional differences or anything this probably would be right around that same the same look same same kind of creature that you would have encountered that night yeah yeah definitely um it looks very very similar like i said just not the hair isn't as shaggy on what I saw. It is still covered in hair, but not yeah. that thick. Like it looked like it belonged in Florida. If you had to take a, a shot at guessing its weight, how much would you have guessed it weighed? Jesus, over 500 pounds. <laughs> That's a big boy. It was, it, it was big. It was, and it was, it was ugly. The funny part is, is that its skin tone on its face it wasn't black or gray. It 
I don't know if it's because of the way the light was shining on him or her and and the surrounding foliage, but it looked like a dull green. That's, a, that's about right, though, for, for a skunk ape, because typically on the description, they're described often as looking orangutan-ish. Yes. Uh, with, like, uh, the shaggy hair and the dull green makes sense because it would have had lichen and other forms of, like, moss and fungi growing on it, which is where that smell comes from. Yep. Uh, from living out in the swamps like that. So from what you're what you've described, it sounds like a typical male uh, a skunk ape. Uh, the females are typically five to six feet tall, and they come in around three hundred pounds. Where the males are uh, six to seven feet tall and around four hundred and fifty, and uh, with the uh, greenish tinge to them from the lichens and the moss and whatnot that grow on their hair, uh, it sort of acts like a like a camouflage and like a defensive mechanism because nobody wants to be anywhere near anything that smells like that. A lot of animals won't eat things that smell like that. Right. So uh, it's, it's pretty consistent with a male is what you're describing. Your description actually matches very well with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Have you ever heard that? No, <laughs> I feel awful. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely not. We're here to conversate. I'm going to share this on my on my my channel. I love this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Feel, <laughs> feel free to share any episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole or Crypto Technical on your channel. <laughs> I will warn you right now, Crypto Technical is a complete shit show and we are wildly inappropriate. You know what? <laughs> so. I, I, I appreciate shows like that because you, it's real. Oh, it's real. <laughs> it's real. That's, that's what it is. It's real. It's, it's, it's a shit show. Y'all are, it's unedited. It's do what you got to do. When I met Jeremy, uh, we were actually guesting on his show. Uh, he had actually, when when looking to do Infinite Rabbit Hole, had found our show as a piece of inspiration uh, to kind of work from. And we came on to his show as guests, and he had to edit out a solid 15 minutes of what we said on his show. Oh, you think it was, was just 15? <laughs> <laughs> I think I cut out a whole hour, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, we're man. Great. We are offensive. Like, <laughs> no, absolutely. You have, you definitely have my okay to share anything from Infinite Rabbit Hole on your page. And I mean, oh, CJ oh. has to tell you about Crypto Technical, but Infinite Rabbit Hole. Go so ahead. It's not my okay. I just needed to put a disclaimer out there for you. Like, yeah, yeah, this is great. <laughs> like, I let my five year old listen to this, and you're like, whoa. Crypto Technical <laughs> is like, um, like a documentary, like a cryptid documentary met Dungeons and Dragons. Dude, like that's that's my scene. <laughs> <laughs> See, CJ, you have a good show. <laughs> I'm going to check it out as soon as this is done. Oh, I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't say it's not good. I just said it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Definitely check it out, Amanda. We, we work together quite a bit, so. Uh, CJ is actually a permanent host on this on this show now too, so he's doing both shows right now. I kind of jumped in and asked you about the Mayaka photos. Was there anything that I cut you off too early from telling us? Did you have any more of the story? I don't have any more really interesting things other than we did decide to turn around and run. Like we both were paralyzed. Like it was staring at us, and we were staring at it, and it. it it was almost as if we all of us were confused as to what was going on. Yeah, you probably got extremely lucky if that, that thing didn't charge because these things you got to understand that they're used to this is this is their environment. You were just staying in it and they know you're there. You're not going to surprise them. What probably surprised it was your reaction to it and the way that you conducted yourselves after you after you laid eyes on it that's what probably uh surprised it and the simple fact that something you know 500 pounds and eight foot tall didn't charge you you got off lucky let me tell you <laughs> well um if we're talking about a large primate um typically you're not really looking at getting charged and mauled or attacked directly to do false charges territorial things like when when you were experiencing like when you're standing in front of this thing um, did it like have any vocalizations? Did it slap around bushes? Did it throw sticks and rocks on the ground? Um, did it try to make itself appear bigger than it already was? I mean, I know it was gigantic to begin with, but did it like get up and like try to stand up straight? Did it show its teeth? Like, did it do anything like that? Oh, it it definitely showed its teeth. Its teeth were nasty. It's definitely carnivorous. <laughs> That's a very common thing. 
any form of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, they uh, they do show their teeth quite a bit. So we're staring at this thing dead on. It's holding on to the tree. And as we're standing there, it right as it's done screaming and we hear the one in the back scream and do the whoop and the echo. And then it did the little chatter. And then it stood there and it looked at Bill and then it looked at me. And then it did this big, huge puff and extended its chest out. And it stood there and stared at us. But when it stared at us, it almost leaned forward and brought its head out very far. What you're describing right now is something that's uh, atypical of a silverback gorilla, which kind of supports the theory that uh, the skunk ape in itself is actually just an ape that lives within uh, uh, on American soil. The, the showing of the teeth and the puffing of the chest is actually a defensive thing. You actually scared it. I, I think so. I think the light, the light is what scared. I don't think it, when Billy scanned that, the tree line, he, he, he scanned the tree line, buddy. And when he stopped, he made an abrupt stop. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to shine light in my face, I'm going to scream at you, too. <laughs> you, guys, you guys scared the crap out of each other is what you did. Yeah. But when we ran, we ran and it did not pursue us. Yeah, they're not really looking to do that, um, especially like with these defensive maneuvers. It, you reacted the way it wanted you to by showing its teeth and puffing its chest. It wanted to scare you off. It wasn't looking for a fight. It was looking to avoid a fight by frightening you, and it succeeded. If you look at this Mayaka photo, you can see its teeth in it. You can see him giving a little little grin there. It did smile at us. That one looks like it's <laughs> smiling. This one is like puffed at us like through its teeth like you could see the spit come out of its mouth i don't feel like i was in danger and i don't feel like i was being watched at any point that night i think i was more scared of it than it was gonna do anything to hurt anybody Hmm. It, it had you could tell by its body language when we first hit it with the light that it was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. No, you you're fine. Ask- you're fine. <laughs> I think it was after my dog. Really? It looked right at my dog when we first looked at it. I've read a lot of the Appalachian version of the Sasquatch, the smaller version, the one that's more menacing and likes to get into chicken coops and stuff. Those ones will go after dogs quite a bit. Uh, swamp apes, I don't. I actually haven't really been able to read too much on swamp apes. A lot of the books that I have, they actually focus more on the 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 first Sasquatch that you're talking about, the bigger one from the, the Northwest. Every once in a while, they'll talk about napes. They'll talk about uh, devil monkeys. They'll talk about the Appalachian version. And every once in a while, they'll they'll touch their toes in on the swamp ape. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of swamp ape material Uh, especially when a lot of these books were written to be able to reflect on. So that's interesting. I got to do some more research into the swamp ape and see if that's a a typical thing that that they like to do is to go after these smaller critters, ones that are either farmed or ones that are that are pets to humans. So I I, I got a, a few questions for you about this story. Sure. Bill, you said that this was a place that Bill was familiar with. Yes. Has he ever had another encounter like this? He has. Really? So he he knew what this was when he told you to quiet down. Before we even got out of the tent, he said he smelled it. I wasn't paying attention to the smell. I smelled it after we got out of the tent. And then when we hit it with the light, I really smelled it. He said that was the reason why he told me to be quiet afterwards was because he knew what we were about to see or what was potentially about to happen. He had an experience with them in the same place a little further up, and it was an aggressive, a more aggressive experience. Mm. Your dog is probably what saved you, actually. Uh, if it if it was going to act aggressively, because uh, wild animals, they don't see dogs, coyotes, or wolves. They just see wolves. And typically where there's one wolf, there's a whole bunch of wolves, and even bears will take off running. Um, so it probably saw your dog and went, where's the rest? And then put on its display when you guys took off. Uh, it, it's a good chance that your dog saved you. I hear so many 
encounters, and I'm not even talking about the Swamp Ape. I'm just talking about Sasquatch, all of the different ones. And they're, they're all, a lot of them are aggressive. I think they're opportunists. If you want me to be frank, I, I, I agree with you. I do think that, that my dog saved me or, or whatever fate had it that night saved us. But if we wouldn't have heard that, I'm pretty sure we would have been an easy meal or my dog would have been an easy meal, especially if there were two of them. And I, I'm, I'm positive that there was two of them, if not more. All I can go off of is what I know about the other versions or the, the, the regional variants of Sasquatches or Bigfoot that are riddled across the United States and Canada. And what you see in the the western part of North America and the eastern part of North America, their attitudes are completely different. So you were in the eastern part, but you were dealing technically with a southern Sasquatch. Uh, so I, I can't even begin to, to say whether or not that's a normal thing by them but if you're talking about the typical sasquatch like the typical sasquatch encounter that i've read is mostly okay i see you you see me i'm gonna watch you walk away and you got they they kind of just go the opposite way you see, you see a lot of the the teeth showing the huffs the puffs uh sticks throwing rock throwing that kind of stuff usually that stuff is for when you you don't actually to you know have sight on them uh but once you actually lay eyes on them and they lay eyes on you and they know that you can see them that it's it's not from what i've read it's not usually a violent encounter unless the reason why you don't read about violent encounters a lot is because well there's nobody there to tell you about it um which is a good possibility i agree i agree i i feel like and and i haven't really experienced many cryptids so i'm only going on speculation and what i i'm biased to what i saw that night and i'm only going off with certain encounters and what i've heard but when i saw that he was not nice looking and he (laughs) i did not want to go up and pet him (laughs) but that's that's plain and simple you knew that this sucker could come over and end your life at any point in time and bite your fucking head off. <laughs> I'm sure he could. CJ, you got anything else about this guy? Um, I mean, I imagine it was it was pretty scary, but in in my personal opinion, I don't I don't really feel like you were probably in all that much danger or or beyond well, what you perceived as as danger. It's just because knowing uh, primate behavior, you no, know, like while things like chimpanzees will supplement uh, their diets with meat and they're technically omnivorous they do lean towards vegetation um i'm not 100 percent, but i don't think gorillas are really known for that where uh something like a sasquatch or a skunk ape or anything would be more closely related to a gorilla than say a chimpanzee uh, or an orangutan in this case um as it's often described but when it comes to uh the behavior though the behavior sounds right and it sounds like defensive behavior uh, and it sounds like uh, you caught it by surprise as much as it caught you. Who knows what it was out there doing? Maybe it was looking for a nesting site because uh, gorillas will nest on the ground uh, and, and sleep that way. And maybe they have a similar behavior. Uh, but all in all, it, it sounds like it was a pretty frightening experience and um, not something uh, I would personally want to repeat. Because, I mean, a- apes in general can be dangerous when you're when you're close enough to them and you know on the off chance they decide that they're not going to give you a de- defensive display and they're going to go on the aggressive uh the offensive uh, uh stance uh, it, it could be very hazardous to your life so uh it was just that that sounds wild it sounds absolutely crazy that uh you you were that close to them that's nuts you had an experience that very little people can say that they've had which is awesome I I feel privileged for the opportunity that I had, but I feel that doing something about it and trying to tell people, look, there is something going on, you know, be it an American ape, you know, that would be the more likely thing that there, there is a such thing as, a, as an American ape, just like that there's apes on other continents. It would make freaking sense. You know what I mean? And, and CJ, like you described, CJ, like you were saying that they were very ape-like behaviors, and that would make sense. It would make sense that an ape could possibly live in America. 
all over America in different variations, like gorillas, chimpanzees, smaller monkeys. It, it's possible. It's very possible. And I got the chance to possibly see a very rare ape or... Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Greetings. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays, where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world. We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on all podcast platforms. Maybe something different. So, Amanda, you have another wild story. Oh boy, yes I do. Now, you said a little bit to me in the the message the first couple messages that we had between each other talking you know setting this up and everything and this one sounds like it's a uh, this the this one's a little scarier this one has you a little rattled up just even through messenger my palms are are, are sweating just thinking about this one i don't even know where to start i'm positive that what I encountered the second time, it was in Huntsville, Alabama, actually, Madison County. And uh, this is a couple years later. This was in 2015. And it was in the fall. I was about to turn 25. I would say it was, yeah, it was early November, late October. I can't really remember the date. And it was me and my boss, man. We were living in Mobile, and he had a hunting camp up in Huntsville, Alabama. And how I got there, and just to make the whole story kind of come together, is I ended up becoming a carny and joining the carnival. And my boss man lived in Alabama, so I just commuted over there, and he got me out of the woods, and, you know, I owe a lot to him, and I love him dearly. He gave me a place to live and gave me a good job. We went on a hunting trip together. This this one this one blows my mind and I I still can't accept part of it. Um and and I the encounter I I only saw it. My boss is the one who encountered it. We were up in the woods. It was right right before the sun came up. There was two other people with us and both of them one was my boss man's cousin and the other one was my boss man's friend. And those two went together and then me and my boss man went together and I'm using boss man for a reason. I will not give his name out. That's fine. So I went with him. Each of us had two sets of dogs and we were just running, running through the woods, seeing what we could do. At the end of this, we didn't have dogs. None of us did. I can't tell you what happened to the two other ones. It was right before the sun came up. And we're about a mile, mile and a half into the woods. We decided we were going to sit down, take a break, and wait for the sun to actually just, like, start peaking so we can see what's going on. And the dogs are out, and they're running around, kind of getting the ground. And we thought it was a deer that the dog spooked up. And when we looked over, we heard a growl. Deer don't growl. And I think it's because we moved that it growled. We didn't have a flashlight. My boss had a lighter. He was so used to going out into these woods. Like, he knew these woods. He didn't need a flashlight. He didn't need to go out there into the woods with a flashlight. He knew the ground. He grew up around there. And I trusted this man with my life. And at first, he's like, okay, so it's a coyote. So he's flicking his lighter. Common sense came over both of us, and we're a coyote's not going to sit there and growl at two of us, and we have two dogs right there with us. The dogs would have scared the coyote right on out, even if it was a lone coyote. Plus, there would have been more if there was. The growl was probably about 50 feet away from us, and it was very low. And then it passed, uh, 
it was possible that it could have been a bear. So now we're under the assumption that it's most likely a bear. Now the dogs are out running wild, running around the dogs. <laughs> okay. I'm really sorry, guys. Like this one, this one. You're completely fine. There is no reason to, to apologize. I'm, I'm not worried about time. You take the time you need, okay? My boss man got up and he left me. And he walked in the direction of that growl. And my boss man's like 6'4" every bit of 300 pounds. He's not as scared of nothing. I hear a dog yelp. And then I hear another dog cry. Like it's scared out of its mind. And then I hear my boss shout and I hear two flashes of the end of his barrel. I can't tell you what he shouted. But all I know is that there was this massive creature it wasn't a bear. The sun's just starting to come up, so you can just see what's going on around you. It starts to come down right in front of me, and as it's running right in front of me, it's probably five feet in front of me, and I'm sitting at the base of this tree trying not to move. It had a snout. It had pointed ears. It was not a damn bear. And I hate telling this story because everybody tries to tell me that it was a bear. It had yellow eyes. Its face almost looked like a baboon mixed with a wolf. It was not a wolf. It was not a freaking baboon. It passed me on fours on all fours. And this thing was going so fast. If I wouldn't have looked up, I never would have seen it. It started making its way down towards the, where the camp was. And then it made an immediate left towards where the other guys were. And then I heard the other two dogs yelp and the other one scream just like ours did. My boss man was ghost white. I was ghost white. We had no idea what the hell we saw. And the only thing that I could think of is, have you all ever seen, what the hell is that movie, Dog Soldiers? No, ma'am. It, look, go look at the, the, the effects in that movie on, on, on their werewolves. And that's, on all fours is what crossed right in front of me. It was not. I'm looking it up right now. A bear, it was not a wolf. It looked like a monkey wolf hi hybrid. It was huge. My boss hit that sucker twice with a 30 odd six. It didn't put it down. And it just kept running. Like it, it was never even hit. You said when you encountered it, it was on all fours. How tall was it? On all fours? Yes, ma'am. At the shoulder, I would say maybe four and a half, five foot. Okay. Almost as tall as I am at the shoulder. Do you remember anything in particular about the legs? I remember the hands. And what it would do when it was running, it would like grab the ground and propel itself forward. But I can't remember the back legs. This is an amazing encounter. This this sounds like it's scary as shit. And I probably would have crapped my pants for sure if, if this was if I was in your situation. Is is boss man okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fine. Um it never attacked him or did nothing to it. He walked up on it while it was going to attack the dog. There's actually a couple stories out there of hunters that are trying to to tree animals and they end up getting attacked by dogmen. This is actually quite a common thing. It's it, it's definitely out there. You can find them. There's a uh, a YouTube page. Uh, what's it called Dogman Encounters? I believe it is. The guy just sits there and he he talks about all kinds of different encounters that are. I I think they're all submitted to him. And there's a lot and it's very interesting stuff. So let, let's talk about Dogman for a minute because the more that I I dive into the cryptids of North America. The more I hear, especially in like the newer ages, you know, the newer books and stuff, 
you're hearing more and more about these dogmen and dogmen is everywhere. I mean, this is the new Bigfoot realistically. This is what everyone, you know, wants an encounter with. The only thing about it is that these things are are much more vicious and uh temperamental than a than a Bigfoot is. I feel like the more that people come out about their encounters, the more it leaves room for certain fabrications to be made. Mm-hmm. So you, people have to keep a healthy skepticism, but also keep an open mind. Right. That's very important. When I had CJ on my, my show for the first time, it's actually kind of funny because the, the topic that we chose to talk about was Dogman. You know, we talked a lot about his podcast, and then we jumped into some of CJ's personal encounters with some strange things. And then we talked about Dogman as both of our shows combined talking about one subject. The thing that that always kind of boggles me about Dogman is that when you talk about a creature, you got to remember that it's got to be biologically valid. Every dog, whether it be a fox, a wolf, a coyote, any any kind of canid, they have paws. They don't have hands. And that's one thing that kind of always grasps me about the Dogman is the hands. Why are we seeing something like, is this a true hybrid? Is this something that that is a, a canine mixed with some sort of upright walking animal. And another thing that you have to remember is that hybrids technically don't work if they're not within the fa- same family. So you get, you can get ligers, right, which are tigers and lions. But the problem with ligers is that they're, they're sterile. They cannot create offspring. If Dogman is a, is a hybrid creature between, let's say, an upright walking Bigfoot and a wolf, I mean, I, I know that sounds extremely weird, but let's just throw that out there for, you know, for fun. Uh, you got to remember is that most likely one, it, one, it can't happen because one's a primate and one's a canid. But even if it did happen, you most likely will get uh, a sterile creature that can't reproduce, which means that it's the, the genetics aren't going to survive. So that only means that a dog man has to be something that is genetically a dog man uh, that, that is obviously canid in in nature like this is a dog or some sort of wolf creature that from everyone's uh point of view and description is that this is a a a lycanthrope which is you know the technical term given to a werewolf or a dogman upright walking canine but just like in your story a lot of stories have these hands I've never had a dogman encounter, so I can't sit here and say that they're absolutely going to have paws. But if you look at the, the scientific evidence of any kind of dog-like or canine-like creature in the world, you see paws, you don't see hands. I wouldn't say that I saw was opposable thumb human hands. Uh, that's That's definitely not the case. <laughs> but the way that it's hands, front paws, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm grasp the ground if i were to look at this its thumb would be further up its arm like a dew claw yeah yeah but a lot longer <laughs> a lot longer hmm. and the way that it grasped the ground it used its claws it didn't use its fingers or toes it grasped it with its claws and propelled itself forward that is frightening it was moving so fast, I don't even think that half of its foot touched the ground the way it was going. I, I hear certain encounters where they, they say they have opposable thumbs and this and that, and I'm right there with you. I don't I don't think that's possible. But to have an overextended dude claw? Absolutely. Now, I didn't see this thing run on two feet. I saw it on all fours, and it was no creature that I am familiar with. And the only thing that I could put with that is it looked like a werewolf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it looked uh, like a damn werewolf. <laughs> I love cryptids. I do. I love urban legends. I love cryptozoology. I love myth, lore. But I'm telling you, with all these dogman sightings popping up and people getting excited about it, and now you're starting to see some... I mean, I, I have yet to see a photograph or a video of a dog man that I look at and I'm like, that is legitimately a dog man or that is a lycanthrope with all, all the evidence out there. 
sooner or later there's going to be a photographic evidence just like there was with bigfoot i i I truly believe that the patterson gimlin film is the holy grail of bigfoot video and or imagery and i'm just waiting for that one for for dogman so that i can never ever step foot into the woods again we have other explanations possibly from a scientific point of view and then moving on to uh, what people would consider like the less believable where the Duclon itself used to be it down with the rest of the paw in a in a thumb-like position. And as evolution passed, uh, it moved up. The thing is, though, is, you know, back when dogs were originally domesticated, that, that, ev- that evolution had already happened. So it, it is kind of strange that, that something would have a, a hand or even um, maybe like a, a talon type setup, like, like, a, like a jointed uh, fingers it would, be, it would be strange. Uh, you know, a long dog evolution, but I don't want to say it's impossible because we do, I, I believe, and unless I'm getting myself mixed up with another cryptic because I've covered almost a hundred of them on my show, but I believe that natives at some point had stories of Dogman as well. So it's possible that with the colonization of the Americas, we push them further outside of their own territory and whatnot and maybe thin their populations because you know, uh, uh, this is clearly a carnivore, and your your uh, ecological environment will only support carnivores uh, to the the food supply. So, if the food supply is finite, there really won't be a large population of these things. It will also extend their lives uh, considerably. But uh, moving moving past a, a scientific point of view, where it could be like this hiccup in evolution, where evolution missed this particular species, uh, and then it maintained its hand like structures. You have the story that the original Dogman was actually a person who was cursed. Uh, it's a story very similar to the Rougarou, where um, an angry witch decided somebody needed to be punished, turned them into a Dogman, and then that Dogman is capable of turning others into Dogmen. And the, the story goes on from there. There's supposedly a cure for it. And then the other idea is the the Tulpa effect, where you get enough people believing in the same thing and they fear, feel enough of a emotion towards it that it, it manifests in itself. That's a very metaphysical uh, way of considering uh, an existence like that. But those, those are just alternate explanations for how something like that could exist. I want to be clear. I definitely believe that there is a possibility that a upright walking canid can exist. And Amanda, I know that you had a, a, a frightening encounter. Just, you know, like you said, your dad was a seer as a believer, right? I've had a run-in with a Sasquatch when I was younger. And from that experience, I now believe in Sasquatch. And now I'm extremely interested in everything that goes bump in the night. And I definitely think that the more you get people to talk about things and more encounters that come forward, the, the more likely that something is to exist. And especially when you tie in uh, Native American lore, especially be- with how strong it is, revolving around a lycanthrope being here in the United States because you've had tribes all across the United States that had no physical uh, encounters with with each other. Having similar stories about a similar animal, you almost have to say that something has to exist. And I want to see, I want to see the evidence because I've, I've seen, I've seen footprints. I've seen some really strange pictures that I just can't really get behind because they're too blurry. You know, it's, it's the, the blob squatch, you know, what, what am I looking at? Unfortunately, and fortunately for you, you've had an experience. I want to so bad see this thing because I do believe that the United States or Canada or just North America in general, just because that's what we're talking about. I believe other places in the world can too. But I believe that there is room for something in our wilderness for something such as a lycanthrope. I just need to see it. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I also believe that there, you know, there could be a completely different theory. There's the center of the earth theory you know that the, the the earth is hollow and there's a completely different world there and and these creatures could come from there these creatures could be interdimensional these creatures could be uh animalistic versions of what put them here there's there's so many possibilities out there but i do agree with you i i believe that we have the habitat to house these creatures 
which makes it more likely. Exactly. I actually, I think all around the world has the habitat to house these creatures, and they have a very wide. They're apex predators. They have a very. They could eat whatever they want, whenever they want, and who's going to stop them? Not your bullets. Thank you for sharing your stories, Amanda. I just had so many negative experiences with people and sharing that story, and you know what you saw. Oh, yeah. I can tell you right now that just because you came onto a podcast and told your story, those negative experiences aren't going to stop. I've had very negative experiences with telling my story with people. I've had friendships that I've had for a while that just ended because now they think I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> Unfortunately, you, you've seen some things that other people may never see in their lives, and you can either feel cursed or you can feel blessed from it. And personally, I feel like I've I've witnessed something that others will never see, and I think that that's a huge win for myself. And I hope that you can come out of this feeling the same way too, because let's look at the facts. The facts are is that you're still alive and you're able to tell the story. That's what's most important. Yes, absolutely. Um, I do feel blessed in a way. It's just that damn, that dog, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like some things, like, I wish I could have saw it under a different circumstance, not just running right in front of me, like, oh, God, I'm about to die. (laughs) That's what what I tell people, too. You know, uh, I was on this guy's podcast just a little while ago, and I told him my, my story for his audience, right? And he goes, so would you ever want to see this thing again? And I said, well, from my truck about three football fields away, I would love to see another one in the woods, 50 yards away again. No, not at all. (laughs) Now I've seen these things. I have the knowledge when I do go back in the woods or whatever, I'm going prepared. I'm going with a GPS beacon. I'm going with all of these different things just in case I would get lost or just in case I would go into an awful awful situation where I need to go into survival mode. I'm going to have things where people could find where I am, hopefully that I'm still alive, or if not, they could find where I'm going to be. You know what I mean? Right. This has given me a great opportunity to be more careful, but at the same time, accept and know that these things uh, exist makes you a lot safer. CJ, you got anything else for me? Just one question. You said you shot this thing twice with a thirty out, right? Yeah. Was there blood on the ground afterwards? Shit, I don't I don't even know. I was too spooked. Ball slam <laughs> went back up there, but I, I was done. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I was out. Okay, I was just just wondering. I would have been in the same boat though. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> the bullet should have went through this thing. It it, it there should have been blood. But as far as I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't, I don't freaking want to (laughs) know. I wonder if this thing died. The way that it was moving, it could have been the adrenaline, but it looked like it was unfazed. Boss man could have missed it. I mean, you nail a deer with a 30 odd. Sometimes they'll run for two miles. True. Well, no, because when it went down and cut that immediate left, it went after them two other dogs. All the dogs died that day? Yeah, we didn't come back with any of the dogs. Just like with ours, we heard the yelp, and then we heard the other one scream, and then it was silence. And then when it ran down that way, we heard the yelp and the other one scream, and then it was silence. They didn't even get a shot off. This all happened in the matter of probably, the when it was up by us, it happened in the matter of 50 seconds or less. Like I said earlier, I I know what to look for in the woods now. I've done enough research, and thanks to you guys, I actually have new things to research on. Um, (laughs) But I am uh, in the process of trying to put together a team and trying to get screaming whispers uh, kicked up off the ground. You know, I really want to research these things and gather DNA, and there's a reason that we're, we're, we're not putting the pieces together. There's people out there that do have pictures. There's people out there that do have evidence, and they don't want to put them out for a reason. Yeah, you got to get into the into the Sasquatch and community. Uh, actually, I want to say the two episodes right before yours. Nope. So the one before you is on phobias, and then the two episodes before that, episode seven, episode eight of season two. 
I'm going to be interviewing, which I've already done. I've already interviewed him. Uh, a man by the name of David Thundercloud. He is a Bigfoot researcher out of Maryland. He, he knows his stuff, and he's been he's talked to some really big names in the Bigfooting community. Once you hear that episode, he puts all his uh, contact information. So keep you know keep an ear out for that those two episodes because they're going to be back to back. And reach out to him because he's he's a really really cool dude, and he's already invited us from the from this podcast out. I don't know if I got to, I got to try to convince CJ to go. I I'm probably gonna end up going as long as the Navy lets me. Yeah, my brother's in a similar situation right now. I'm the one with the fun toys. Yeah, she just she just got all the cool stuff. Yeah, infrared, thermal, night vision, all kinds of stuff. Listen, I. I just got a tomahawk and I'm just I'm so excited right now. <laughs> so let's let's take a quick second before we do our outros and everything, right? Let's talk a little bit about what you just said. Um why has every group of Bigfooters before us failed to prove the existence of this creature? I don't think they have failed. I think that people are conditioned. That we believe what we're told in all of our lives, we are told one thing. And we are, when we are presented with evidence, castings, all of this, photos of this or that, audio recordings, they are slandered and they are made to believe that these things are not real. So, Amanda, you think that they haven't failed. It's just that we've been brought up to, to think that they've failed. We've been brought up to believe what we are told, unless you see it for yourself. And even then, you question yourself, because you were told that's not real. So it, there has to be some sort of scientific explanation for that. And I'm sorry, not everything is based on science, because there's some things that science cannot explain. CJ, why do you think that everyone that, that's come before us has, has failed to prove the existence of Sasquatch? World government. They don't want us to know. <laughs> So let's talk about it then. Why do you think that the the government or the world government wants to keep the existence of a creature such as a Sasquatch, Yeti, Yowie, Yaren, or any form of upright walking primate secret? Because if uh, they reveal to us the extravagancies of these things, um, and that includes like aliens and UFOs and things like that, they would have to come clean about a lot more than just that. And to have the general public have that knowledge, we would at this point begin to question them like, well, what else aren't you telling their whole system would fall apart? But why even why even deny it from the from the get go? Control. 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 Because they you, they can make you afraid of it. Oh no, it doesn't exist, but you're still seeing it. It's like mass gaslighting. You're you're not seeing what you're seeing. You're just crazy. Amanda, you seem to agree with CJ. Correct, or do you have anything else to add to that? That I, I completely one hundred percent agree. I believe if the government comes out and says, "Hey, guys, these things are real. We've known this all along," and even if they don't say that we've known this all along, it will be put together that they have known this all along. It would cause an economic collapse, and it wouldn't just be our government; it would be worldwide. Amanda, thank you for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. And before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to put out any contact information that anybody listening to this episode can get in touch with you, specifically about your Facebook page or any other groups or messaging systems that you might have, social media accounts uh, that you, that people can reach out to you about this kind of information if they want to talk to you about cryptids, if they want to talk to you about paranormal experiences or stories or news articles, if they want to send them your way, how can they get in touch with you? Um, my email is always good. I always check my email. My email is warnick, that's W-A-R-N-I-C-K 112790 at gmail.com. Or you could always hit me up on Facebook under Screaming Whispers. You can join the group. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, it's also called Screaming Whispers. Both of these sites have just got kicked off the ground. So I'll be recording every weekend for my YouTube channel. 
Um, they will be my personal encounters. And I'm just hoping that people write in or even just send me some research we can talk about. Where, what direction are you planning on going with this research of yours? Well, as of right now, <clears throat> I'm doing a lot of computer research, but I, like I said earlier, I'm trying to put together some regional teams to go out and search for cryptids and search for fairies and search for stuff like that, because that's how we're going to find out what's true and what's not. We're going to find out for ourselves because ain't nobody going to tell you. And you're always going to have that doubt in your mind unless you see it for yourself. You also got to be careful too. And you have to mentally prepare as well as physically prepare as well as make sure you know your stuff out there too. Don't just go out there blind thinking you're going to find a Bigfoot because one could be looking right at you and you would never see it. Once again, Amanda, thank you for coming on to Infinite Rabbit Hole today. It was a pleasure and you really wowed me with your stories. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Just trying to get the truth out there, yo. I appreciate it. That has been another episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. Amanda laid out her contact information. If you have a question for her, reach out to her. If you're having trouble reaching out to her, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with her. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinite rh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, reach out to us. Let us know. Come on. Have a good time. Tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans. And we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole.